Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Chuck and Kinnan, for just the opportunity to come and to just study the Word and to worship with you all this morning. I'm just uh, incredibly blessed and privileged. I was just blessed uh, worshiping with you all. You guys are very a worshipful, worshipful congregation, and um, I, I really honestly did feel um, the move of the Spirit just now as we were singing praises to the Lord. So, Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to share the word with you. Um, so as Chuck shared, my name is Aaron. Um, I serve over at City Light Mosaic Church as the church planning resident. And I want to start off by just, again, thanking you all for the opportunity to come and to, to worship with you all, to read the word of God, and um, to ultimately our desire is to be changed by the word of God. So I'm... I'm uh, excited for what the Lord has for us through His Word, and um, I'm just looking forward to uh, what we're gonna what we're gonna learn. Right, so um, we will be studying, as was read, out of First Peter three eight through twelve. First Peter three eight through twelve, and the main idea for today's teaching is that blessing and life is found in Christ. Blessing and life is found in Christ, and my hope is to show you through this text that we are blessed as we are unified in Christ, purified with Christ, and as we are met by Christ. When we think about living a good and fulfilling life, our minds typically go towards a life of ease and comfort. I know for me, if I were to dream about what my good life would look like in my context, for me, it would be a life without any cares in the world, with my wife and, and our dog, and just fishing our days away. That's what the good life would be for me. And, and you know what? I'd like to think that I'm not alone, that if we were going to ask any of us in this room what the good life looks for us personally, we'd have a list of things that, you know, that if, if these things were true of me and for me, then I would be living the good life. Um, but we are going to see through this text that though those things aren't bad or evil, that through the scriptures, we see that there is a different type of good life that the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about a good life that isn't about what our circumstances are or the comforts that we have, but is about something completely different. As you have been studying First Peter, I am sure you already know that Peter is writing to Christians who have been going through it. You know, they have been receiving persecution from all angles as they try to live their life faithfully for Jesus. And it would seem for them also in their context that that would mean that they really don't have a chance to live the good life because, you know, they're being persecuted and they're they're suffering and they're experiencing hardships. But we will see again through this text that the good life is not so much about our experiences and the things that we have in our, in our environment, but the good life and the blessings that follow are found in Jesus Christ alone. And as we talk about blessing this morning, we need to remember and we need to understand the both-and principle to blessing. So what is that? Both-and principle to blessing is that 
there are certainly physical blessings that we receive through and from God, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from God above. But there is also always the greater spiritual blessing that we receive in relationship with Jesus. And so through this text, my hope is, again, to explain and to see that good spiritual blessing that we receive through Jesus. Let's pick up now in 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 8. It says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind. So as Peter has been addressing the church, first it was, okay, if you're under an emperor, listen to these instructions. Then it was, if you are a servant with a master, listen up. And finally, if you are married, listen up, right? This is what you guys have been studying. But now Peter is saying, all of you, listen up. And what is it that Peter is calling them to listen to? What is it he's calling them to do? He's calling them to have unity of mind. And the unity of mind that Peter is talking about is not, you know, some mission statement that they have to come together and rally around and write and, you know, put on their church website or something like that. He's speaking of the mind of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that as believers, we have been given the mind of Christ. That means that we don't have to strive and pull together to do this, but it starts from that place of recognizing and understanding what we have received and been given through Jesus Christ. With that as our foundation, we then read God's word and it begins to shape our lives. We begin to be more created more and more into his image and transformed into his image, and we begin to think the way that he thinks. That's why Romans 12, 2 says that we are not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, we can't be unified as a church if our minds are conformed to the patterns of this world. We need to be conformed to the, to the mind of Christ. And so when we read his word, his worm transforms our minds, so we begin to think the way that Jesus thinks. And as we come to this understanding individually, we then collectively, as a church, become unified underneath that one mind of Christ. Let's see how Peter goes on to describe this one mind. He says, finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing." My truth number one for this morning is this. We are blessed as we are unified in Christ. We are blessed as we are unified in Christ. Notice the words that Peter uses to describe this unity of mind. He says, humble, brotherly love, a tender heart, sympathy. These are all words that look out for and seek after the interests of others over self. And that being said, I want to take a moment again to celebrate you all. You have done this, and I've seen this through your church when, as Chuck mentioned earlier, that last year when the Lord brought in an increase of financial resources, instead of hoarding that and keeping that for yourself, you all chose to give that to our church. And what a great example of the unity of the church. We may be separate churches on the other side of the river, Yet we all love Jesus, and that makes us unified. And so you guys chose to give sacrificially to our church. 
And I'm here to say, thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity, for your kindness, and just your understanding of this essential truth that we are unified. We are one mind in Christ as the church, as the body of Christ. And it's such a great example of the unity of the church, isn't that? We may be, you know, it, it, and, and through your obedience, we experience that blessing First of the physical blessing, of course, the financial support was so great, but also the spiritual blessing as we see the unifying nature of Christ in us as the church. And as we are seeing you guys give sacrificially and being on mission, it encourages us as we see you take steps of faith. So now you see that physical and spiritual blessing of the unity of the church. But Peter also takes this unity a step further. He tells them to not repay evil for evil, but to actually bless those who have wronged them. And this could not be more out of touch, as I read this, than with what our culture says. Our culture says that if someone wrongs you, you have every right to return in fashion, making sure that they get, that you get even and that they learn their lesson, right? But Peter here is saying that instead of returning evil for evil, we are to bless. And, and of course, when we read this, we're like, oh, Peter, you don't understand. You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how they wronged me. Like, and, and what about justice? If I don't return in like fashion like, and, re, and return the attack that they've had towards me, you know, how, how are they going to learn their lesson? What, where's the blessing in that? I feel like you know, I'm taking all the, the hit here. And it almost seems impossible to bless those who have wronged us. And the reality is, it is. The reality is, it is hard, it is impossible for us to do this in ourselves, to find in our own strength to say, you know what, I'm going to bless this person who has done evil towards me. Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his, shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth and the blessing is found in Jesus who has made the way for us to be able to bless those who have wronged us because he has done it before us. Whilst we were still dealing out evil towards God, God showed a blessing towards us by giving us Jesus Christ who died on the cross and he made the way of salvation for us, his enemies. We were the evildoers that he blessed. And as we are faced with the challenge of blessing those who have done evil for us, and done wrong towards us, we find the ability and the strength to do it in Jesus. Jesus helps us bless those who have done evil toward us. And he doesn't just tell us, you know, you know, you got to do this, you got to figure it out and just do it, you know. He, but as Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Notice it says, learn from me. The blessing is found in that place of sweet intimacy as we go to Jesus and we learn from his gentle leading and guidance. That's what, that's what the beauty and the blessing is when he calls us to do hard things like blessing those who have done evil towards us. Like we get to go to Jesus. We get to have a relationship with him. And we get to say, Jesus, you know, I don't want to bless this person, but your word says I should, so can you help me? You've done it already for me, so can you help me do that? And he teaches us, and we learn from him. And I've been so blessed. As I go to Jesus with my hurts, with my offenses, he gently shows me a lot of times, you know, I did some wrong things myself. And he leads me in forgiving that other person. 
And I could never do it if I tried to do it in my own ability. But through Jesus, we can. We are blessed as we are unified in Christ. Moving on with verse 10, it says this, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Truth number two is we are blessed as we are purified by Christ. We are blessed as we are purified by Christ. Peter now shifts. He goes from just, you know, giving instruction, and now he's going to quote some uh, passage from the Old Testament found in Psalm 34. He is giving now scriptural backing to what he has been saying up to this point. And the quotation from Psalm 34 starts by saying, if you want to love life and see good days, dot, dot, dot. And as I read that, again, as I said earlier, I'm sure we all read that and go, yeah, I desire that. I desire a good life. I desire blessings. Like, tell me what I got to do. And I'm sure that the church and the Christians that Peter's writing to, who are going through persecution, are saying, uh, yeah, Peter, we want a good life and desire blessing. Like, obviously, um, tell us what we got to do. And as I read this, I'm reminded of what Jesus says in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus is saying this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, only Jesus can make life full and abundant, right? You all can agree with that, right? Like Jesus is where we find our true satisfaction and abundance in life. Only through Jesus can we who deserved death receive life and not just receive life, but to enjoy the blessings of life. As we seek out and desire to love life, we must realize that true life is found in Jesus Christ alone. We cannot experience the blessings and the freedom in life apart from our relationship with Jesus. It's not in our circumstances or the things that we can do, that we accomplish, that we find fullness in life, but only in the person of Jesus Christ can we find true, full, abundant life. If we start from that place, having our identity rooted in that truth, then everything else is like a cherry on top, right? Like knowing that Jesus is our true and abundant life. We get to experience that in him every day. And then when we go to him and we read his word, he shows us how we can live our lives and how we can walk with him. And his, his spirit empowers us to do it. But Peter, you know, with this quote from Psalm 34, he starts talking and he says, to live this good life, we are to keep our tongue from speaking evil. And I'm reminded of what James says in James 3, 7 through 8, which says, if every, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed but man, by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So as I, as I read that, I said, huh. So if no human being can tame the tongue, how are we supposed to keep it from evil? I was then reminded of Isaiah. Isaiah had a vision in Isaiah 6 where he was in the throne room and his first response was to say, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. When he did that, an angel flew to him with a coal 
a burning coal in his hand, and he touched Isaiah's lips, and he said, Behold, this was, has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. In the same way, as we realize we are totally incapable and unable to tame our tongues, Jesus comes to us and says, Behold, I have touched your lips and made you clean. And again, it's important for us to start in this place. It's important for us to begin here because only through Jesus do we have the ability to tame our tongue. James says it's impossible for a human to tame the tongue. But through Jesus, what he has done, what's impossible with man, is possible with God. He has given us the ability through Jesus to tame our tongue. Only through Jesus and what he has done for us can we no longer, do we no longer have to speak evil or, or do our lips speak deceit? Through Jesus, we can speak words of love instead of hate. We can speak the truth instead of lies. We can speak hope instead of despair. We can speak life instead of death. But just knowing that we've been purified by Christ doesn't always mean that what comes out of our mouth will automatically be pure, right? It's important for us to remember then that Jesus said from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What he means by this is what's in our heart, what our hearts are focused on, this is what's going to come out of our mouth. And if our hearts are focused on ourselves and on evil things, then that's what is going to come out of our mouths. But when our hearts are purified by Jesus and he fills our hearts, life will come out of our lips. A few months back, I was going to meet with a friend from our church, and we were going to meet at a coffee shop. And uh, as, we were on, as I was driving there, I, I asked the Lord to give me the words to speak so that I could encourage and uh, build, uplift my friend. I remember the Lord giving me his heart for my friend, and I was speaking things that I didn't even understand the impact that they would have on him. But they did, and he was so touched, he even began to tear up right there in the coffee shop. And both of us were blessed simply because the Lord had given me his heart and mind for my friend. And as a result of him being the one that was speaking from my heart, from his heart, life came out of my lips, and I was able to encourage my friend. Finally, going back, picking up in verse 11 through 12, it says, Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. My third and final truth is we are blessed as we are met by Jesus. We are blessed as we are met by Jesus. Christian, you have been washed, you've been redeemed, and we have been cleansed in the blood of Jesus, but we are all still faced with temptation and the reality of sin. And let me lovingly remind you, as the Lord has done for me as I was studying this text, we have a choice to either look to and keep our eyes on the sin and the temptation, or we can look to Jesus. We can turn the other way. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. When we are faced with temptation, we are faced with the decision to either turn again to our own way or to instead turn to Jesus, 
who, the one who has taken every sin upon himself. And if we have chosen to turn away from Jesus and have turned to our own evil way, the sim- answer is as simple as repenting and turning back to Jesus. To turn from the destructive evil of our sin and to look unashamedly into the eyes, the loving and forgiving eyes of Jesus, who is calling us back to himself. Jesus is calling you, dear child of God, to turn from the evil desires and temptations that so easily try to trip us up and to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who has won the victory over sin and death for us. Luke 15, we read the parable of the lost son, which is such a beautiful example of this kind of repentance. The son had thrown away all his inheritance in exchange for sinful living. But we read in verse 20 of Luke 15 this. It says, And he arose and he came to his father's house. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. You see, the son turned back to his father and was met by a kiss from his father. Church, we are blessed as we turn from evil and we are met by Jesus. Now, it says, pursue peace. And I'm sure that we could all say that if we have been doing anything over the last 18 months, it has been pursuing peace, right? The problem is we can't ever seem to be able to attain it. It's like a wild goose chase, always in hot pursuit, never being able to grasp what we're running after. The reason is that we usually try to look for and search after peace in things that do not satisfy. We usually look for it in uh, some kind of formula or ingredients. Like if I just get these things right, or if I, if I, I know I had, I can remember peace that one time. And, and so if I just do A, B, and C, then peace. But it's not, peace is not in a feeling or an emotion. And while all those things are great and will give us a small sliver of peace for the moment, the peace that we so desperately need is found in a person. And his name is, guess what? Jesus. His name is Jesus. And his name is, is in fact, the Prince of Peace. And in Ephesians 2.14, it says that Jesus is himself our peace. The peace that Jesus brings is not like the peace that the world offers. It's not like the pie in the sky dream that the world's always talking about. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 27, that the peace that he offers is not like the peace that the world brings. The peace that is offered and we receive is, that, is the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's the peace that we find when we're in the presence of Jesus. And when we get a taste of his peace, the peace that goes beyond our wildest expectations, we want more and more of it. We want more and more of him, Jesus, and, her, and his presence. And in times when I've experienced anxiety and fear, there has been no greater help in my time of need than to just simply go to Jesus, who is my peace to sit in his presence and just rest in the fact that he is in control. All the craziness of the last 18 months and what will possibly, probably come in the coming months, we can rest assured that Jesus is still 
on the throne, that he is our peace in the midst of the craziest, wildest storms. We are blessed as we pursue peace and are met by Jesus. Finally, Peter finishes the quotation from Psalm 34 in verse 12. He says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. For those of you who are in Christ, what a comfort to know that the ears of the Lord are open to us. Because Jesus is our righteousness, God hears our prayers. I am sure it was also a comfort to these Christians that Peter was writing to who were going through persecution to know that and to be reminded of the fact that God hears their prayers, that the door is always open to go to him and to speak to him, and he hears us. I'm reminded of the words of the old hymn, which go, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Right? What a privilege to carry. What a sweet gift we find in Jesus. The one who is always there to listen and to hear us, to hear our cry. And knowing that he hears our prayers, do we go to him? Do we seek him out? Do we know, do we want to be near him in prayer? The door is always open for him, for us to go to him, because he listens and he hears our prayers. But for those of you here this morning who have not repented of your sins and turned to Jesus as the Lord of your life, as Lord of your life, the reality is that God's face is turned away from you and his, he does not hear the prayer of the evil. But there is hope. Jesus has made the way of salvation and for you to no longer be the one who does evil, but to be made righteous. Jesus went to the cross and he took all our sins upon himself. And in that moment, the father turned his face away from Jesus. But the story does not end there. Thank the Lord. Though he died, Jesus rose from the grave three days later. And he won the victory over sin and death for us. So all we need to do is just repent and believe that he is the Lord, that his salvation is for us. And we will receive eternal life. And we will be made righteous through Jesus. So if you are in here this morning and have yet to repent of your sins and turn to Jesus, I encourage you to do so and receive the blessing and the life that is found in Jesus. And as I close, this list of things that we just read, it shouldn't make us go, you know what? I'm actually pretty good. I'm I'm killing it in those areas. Or for us to make a checklist, okay, so to live righteously, I have to, okay, I got that. No, as we see the inconsistency of our lives in the way that we live the good life described here, May it drive us headlong to Jesus. May it compel us to desperately cling to and be changed by the one who upheld this good life and these perfect standards perfectly and lived this for us. Oh, that this would draw us to the feet and the mercy of Jesus Christ who so lavishly pours out his grace on us and who gives us the ability to walk in righteousness with him. Oh, that we would know deep in our souls the blessing and life that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. 
Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.